As the FIBA World Cup is getting set to kick off, Celtics players are dropping out of the tournament left and right, possibly for health reasons. Should we be concerned? The preseason schedule is almost done, and the Celtics will get even more familiar with a hated rival. Plus, what else is new? Paul Pierce is breaking the internet and going viral again. It's the dog days of summer. If you need your Celtics fix, you know where to go. The doors are open, there's no cover charge, and you're always a VIP inside Lucky's Lounge. Let's go. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge, the official home of Celtic diehard enthusiasts. And I'm joined by one of the biggest diehards I know, Guillermo Diaz from Boston and here in Bellevue, Nebraska. Captain Ron Flanders here to talk hoops with you. Guillermo, the Souza scorers uh, did not make the playoffs, so we're recording a little early tonight. Yes, unfortunately, the guys did not make the playoffs this season. It was a fun run with you guys. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll run it back in the fall and see what happens. I guess you have a player option on your contract. I remind you that I am a free agent, but uh, for now, let's let's turn our focus not to professional basketball, but to amateur or international club basketball, the Team USA and Team Dominican Republic, all of these teams going to the FIBA World Cup. And I guess we'll start right away, Guillermo, with the game you were going to tune in, which was Dominican Republic against Puerto Rico. And we thought Al Horford was going to play. It looks like Al is going to sit this summer out, which is good news for Celtic fans. Yes, good for Al to sit out. He's 37. Let's get ready for this NBA season instead of playing in the for the FIBA World Cup. But Overall, great game to watch. Uh, Tremont Waters really looked fantastic, actually. He was assisting well. He was shooting well. Uh, Puerto Rico locked in and was able to get a great lead against the Dominican Republic and just sustain it throughout. So overall, good basketball game to watch. And I'm happy again for Al Horford to sit down, but it looks like Carl Anthony Towns will be joining them once they get to uh, the Philippines. And the Dominican Republic is one of the teams that is favored to get out of the group stage and get into elimination play, largely because of Carl Towns. But Al Horford not playing is good news for the Celtics. We're going to go through all of the Celtic players who are representing their countries or who we thought were going to be representing their countries. But first, I, I do want to talk about Tremont Waters, the former Celtic draft choice out of LSU who played professionally last summer in Puerto Rico and is playing again professionally this summer after the FIBA team. Last year, he played with Victor Wembeana in France. The former Celtic, whose father passed away before his summer league appearance with the Celtics, his father told him he wanted him to connect with his mother's Puerto Rican side of the family. So he has started playing professionally in Puerto Rico and playing for Team Puerto Rico, which is actually a very good international team. As we know, they defeated Paul Pierce in the USA uh, several years ago. Uh, so happy to see Tremont Waters really showing out. And he did the same thing, Guillermo, the other day in a game against the United States. Yeah, unfortunately, Puerto Rico did lose that game 74-117. to but, yeah, from the highlights that I was able to see, Tremont Waters played pretty well against the USA team as well. 
but Anthony Edwards led the way, getting 15 points. Jalen Brown got a sorry, Jalen Brunson got a double double, 11 points, 12 rebounds. Camp Johnson had 15 points off the bench, and Halliburton was moving the rock, getting 12 assists as well. So a good job by Team USA. Tremont Waters, former Celtic, in that game, 17 points and five steals. So we're excited to see what he can do going forward for Team Puerto Rico. But for Team USA, some amazing young talents on that team. Obviously, Edwards, Halliburton, Walker Kessler. One young talent that played very well in the run-up and actually helped lead the select team from Team USA to defeat the varsity squad was Peyton Pritchard of the Celtics. Yeah, that was awesome to see some of those highlights of PP going off or P rabbit as they call them uh, against the U S team. That's going to be playing in the world cup. I believe they won back to back games in 10 minute quarters and looks like Pritchard was blowing by Jalen Brunson shooting spot up threes and, doing the offense that he can he's shown in some of the proams that we've heard about. We have talked in the past about players like Horford who thank goodness is not playing for Team Dominican Republic. Kristaps Porzingis will have an update on him in a second. The, those guys we don't want to play for their teams, but I like the idea of Pritchard playing for the select team because I think playing against that level of competition will boost his confidence and his legs should be fresh after the season he just had. So I really like this Guillermo. Yeah. And it also puts him out on front street and allows other teams and GMs to see him. And he could be a trade piece down the line. You never know. I, I like his fit on this roster this year, but he's on the last year of his deal and Brad could have a trick up his sleeve. Pritchard is not on the varsity team, meaning he will not play in the World Cup unless there is an injury. Jalen Brunson is the starting point guard for Team USA. There's Halliburton, Burton. There's other guys. Uh, but Pritchard is available should Steve Kerr need him going forward. And Team USA now moves from the U.S. to Spain for a couple of exhibition games. And we'll update you later in the program on that. Let's let's turn to Team Canada. We've got two Canadians on our roster, both of whom we thought might be playing for Team Canada in the FIBA World Cup. Canada is not favored to win the tournament, but they're the second choice. The United States is favored to win the whole thing. Canada is very closely behind them as far as odd make, odds makers are concerned. Jamal Murray, though, is resting right now. He's not playing in the exhibitions, and it now looks like Celtic O'Shea Brissett is going to miss the World Cup due to injury precautions. You got something for me on this, Guillermo? Yeah, as I said before, Canada has a really stacked team. They're going to be really good competition for all the teams in the in the World Cup. I'm happy to see that Banton, unfortunately, didn't be wasn't able to make the roster, and it looks like Brissett now is going to be missing the World Cup to rehab a knee injury, with, which kind of scares me because I didn't know he had knee issues before. Well, yes. Well, according to Celtics blog and as well as Sportsnet, Michael Grange, the reporter, Brissett is rehabbing a knee injury. He's a 25-year-old player. These are the things we did not hear about 
when the signing was made. But apparently, as a 15-year-old, he broke his knee. He was on the last Canadian World Cup team in 2019, and he missed that World Cup with a knee injury. And then in 2020, he left the bubble to have a minor knee procedure. Nothing for the last three years, but Guillermo, a 25-year-old player with maybe now his third or fourth knee issue. O'Shea Brissett really is probably one of our top 10 players. He's probably in the rotation or on the fringe of it. This isn't good if if he's going to miss time. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, he was Brad Stevens' first signing this offseason. So we're going to need him. He's going to play a role, especially being able to play different positions while he's on the court. So this knee injury kind of scares me. Whatever you have to do to heal up and get ready for this season, Brissett, go ahead and do so. Take your time. Absolutely. And and really, we don't know. We should stress, we don't know if he's hurt or if he's just rehabbing, if this is precautionary or if it's serious, but I'm sure we'll find out as we head towards training camp. This next one, though, Guillermo, is the big one. And apologies in advance. Please don't shoot the messenger. But we saw about seven hours ago on Twitter a guy I've never heard of out of Germany. His name is Rupert Fabig. And his bio on Twitter says, Sport aficionado, redacteur, Big Deutschland, which is a, a basketball site in Germany. And he tweets out exclusive. According to my information, there are growing concerns that Latvia star Kristaps Porzingis might miss the FIBA World Cup due to injury. Understand it is something with his foot. He, the Latvian staff, and the Celtics will wait until the last moment to make a decision. Now, Guillermo, three days ago, Latvia played Georgia in a tune-up. They blew them out, 82-57. to Davis Bertans is also on Team Latvia, but Porzingis did not play in that game. And if this is true, it is very concerning news. Would you agree? Definitely agree. We're going to need Porzingis. This really scares me. Whatever you have to do to protect the seven-footer's feet, go ahead and do so. Get that bubble wrap on that seven-footer, and let's get him ready for this season. I didn't even want him to play anyway, so I hope, again, just like the Brissett situation, it's just something that they're monitoring, and let's just pull the plug and get ready for the Celtics season. Let's absolutely hope that's the case. I always get nervous when I hear about big men with foot issues. Of course, we know all about former Celtics sixth man of the year and NBA champion Bill Walton, who lost probably two-thirds of his career to foot issues. Yao Ming, he had a solid NBA career, but it was cut short by foot injuries. When you're talking about people seven feet in size or larger, I get nervous, and Porzingis does does have an injury history, Guillermo. Yeah, that was the biggest call-out when the trade happened, right? We're we're giving up somebody who was the heart and soul of the Celtics and never missed the game and even got injured in the playoffs and ran back out there on the court for someone who was, quote-unquote, injury-prone and always keen to miss games, but... I'm shying away from that. I'm going to say he's healthy and it's just precautionary or an excuse to get him out of the World Cup and ready for the season. As we talked about in the last couple of shows, 
This tournament is a big deal, especially for the European players as well as the Latin American players. Americans, not so much. And you see that our team is is more of a younger team. It's not like a dream team. It's it's an up and coming team. But the Europeans, for them, for them, this is a very big deal. You see Luka Doncic playing in this, Porzingis, many other European stars, Gobert. This means a lot to Porzingis. And so for him to be shutting it down, it does have me worried. Latvia has really no chance with him or without him. So I agree with you. Let's get him to Boston, get the bubble wrap on him, and uh, we'll keep him on our prayers as we head toward the preseason schedule. Now, Guillermo, the, the Celtics have not released their preseason schedule just yet, but many teams already have. And based on what our opponents are putting out, we already know three of the four preseason games that the Celtics are going to play, and two of them are against the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know when our first game is, but it might be October 8th at the Garden against the 76ers. There's also the second leg of a home-and-home. October 11th, the Celtics will be at Well Center taking on Philly, and then on October 19th, we'll be at Charlotte. Don't know if Jason Tatum's going to play in that preseason game. But those are the three games so far, two games against Philly. And we always play teams in the Atlantic Division in the preseason, but lately it has been more Toronto and New York. Two games against Philly could be very intriguing with the Porzingis-Embiid matchup, and then we have Charlotte. Uh, What are your thoughts on these games? Always good to play against Philly and smack them up, so looking forward to playing couple games against Philly and also just seeing where we stand against them. I know it's just a preseason game, but they are ranked as one of the, you know, top seeds going into probably this season. So that'll be a good matchup. And then you got to be careful with the Charlotte stuff from what JT said at his camp, but uh, it should be okay and exciting to play against a young Charlotte team and see how our young guys compared to theirs and I'm pretty sure that fourth game is going to probably be one of the New York teams um, based on the history just as you said yeah and that would also be a home game because we've already got at Charlotte and at Philly so a home game in Boston maybe against Brooklyn maybe against New York will be giving away preseason seats in the Lucky's Lounge seats Loge 20, row 9. They're very good seats, so continue to listen to the show and figure out how you can win those preseason tickets to either Philly or the other preseason game, which has not yet been announced. Now, the the games against Philadelphia got me thinking, Guillermo, about a couple of things. One is the Celtics' preseason past, and there, there were a couple of preseasons in particular that had some very interesting rivalry games. You know, back in the day, as recently as like 2010, 2011, the Celtics would play eight preseason games before their 82-game schedule. The preseason was considered a way for owners to get more money. It was considered a way to bring NBA action to non-NBA arenas and non-NBA markets to spread the game. And so you used to have games in places like Hartford, Manchester, New Hampshire, Albany, New York, 
Providence. There were, this was a way for the Celtics to get out in New England and play before some of their other fans. And long before that, the Celtics would play preseason games all over the United States in, in places that were not NBA arenas. I would kind of like to see that. I mean, I don't think we need to have preseason games at the Garden, per se. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's awesome. I would love to see that come back. I like the fact that, you know, they're kind of like a traveling uh, a team, basically, and playing in other parts of New England. It'd be nice for other states to be able to see the Boston Celtics and not have to commute to Causeway Street. So, I mean, you get 41 games anyway and plus playoffs already at the Garden. And I love the Garden and the fans that, support our Celtics and bring that craziness, but it's awesome to see, you know, them play in other atmospheres and why not even an outdoor game like a hockey does and, and, and show out outdoors. That's kind of how I picked up a basketball and started. So why not? Yeah. I mean, outdoors on a hardwood floor, I think some of the players would, not, I mean, you know, a, a guy like, you know, Marcus Schmidt or Patrick Beverly, they're, they're going to have no compunction whatsoever taking charges on blacktop and diving for balls, but you don't want injuries. So putting out a hardwood floor, listen, in the U.S. Navy, we've played two games with the NCAA. Michigan State played North Carolina on the deck of the USS Carl Vinson a couple of times. Barack Obama was actually there, I think, in 2013. So that and those were televised nationally. I think you could put a hardwood floor somewhere in a, you know, a famous pickup court. I mean, you could play one at Rucker Park against the Knicks. You know, I mean, it would be amazing. I think it would be great for the fans. And as far as the Celtics are concerned, the fans that go to these preseason games, I mean, we have the best fans in the NBA, but they're not necessarily energized for a preseason game. Now you have a preseason game in Portland, Manchester, Providence, Hartford, you're going to get a raucous crowd. And I think the Celtics should scrap these Boston games and put some in new England at other venues. Another thought is maybe the Celtics have a home preseason game in St. Louis to get some of Jason Tatum's fans out there. The Celtics are a national brand Guillermo. So I think you could play a game in St. Louis and it would be amazing for the NBA. And it would also go a long way toward keeping Jason Tatum happy. And in a Celtics uniform, you know, as we're going to talk about later in the show, he's got a decision to make after next season. Whatever you have to do to keep that man happy, please go ahead and do so. I wouldn't mind a a Celtics game in St. Louis. Like you said, um, to support Jason Tatum and his hometown. But let's keep in New England first, and then if we can you know, expand and go to Missouri, then that's fine. But I'd love to allow the rest of New England uh, to be able to experience the Celtics. And like you said, it's going to bring that craziness um, outside of just the TD Garden. Absolutely. In the past, the Celtics have scheduled games at college arenas so that – Famous players and alumni of certain universities could bring their their stars back in NBA uniforms and they would sell tickets. It's really in the preseason, it's a lot about selling the game, but also about selling tickets because, 
you know, in the NFL, they have to give away preseason tickets. Nobody cares about those games because the players don't care. But if you make it something that the players care about playing in front of a home crowd, I mean, Tatum would want to show out in St. Louis. One of these games that the Celtics played was in 1961, and this was a famous game in Lexington, Kentucky, which, of course, the great Hall of Famer Frank Ramsey for the Celtics was a Kentucky Wildcat. And Cliff Hagen of the St. Louis Hawks, who was our opponent, was another star. Kentucky was the dominant team of the day and arguably more popular, the Kentucky Wildcats, than any NBA team at that time. But famously, at the Celtics Hotel, the hotel refused to serve the Celtics black players, Bill Russell, Casey Jones, and those guys. And so those the five black players on the Celtics left town. Red, Red Auerbach said, we respect your decision. And actually, they were going to leave town. But Casey Jones said, no, we don't want to ruin this for, for Frank. You guys stay and play. So the Celtics did. They got blown out by the Hawks without without a couple of their star players. But that was a famous date in Celtic preseason history because for social justice reasons, half the Celtics team boycotted the game. Wow, yeah, no, that's that's a history tidbit for me. I I did not know that. I've um, got I've got more history for you. Go ahead. And this this is pretty interesting because you talk about Philadelphia, a team that we we took to seven games, we knocked them out in seven games, and all of the bad blood between the Sixers and the Celtics over the years, but a, a rivalry that has, if we're being honest, been dominated by the Celtics at least in the past decade. Think about the Boston Celtics-Lakers rivalry of the 1980s. Well, doing a little research, I looked up and I remembered, and I, my memory was refreshed, the Celtics in 1985 played four preseason games, preseason games, against the Lakers, Guillermo. Wow. And if you consider that in 1984, there was a seven-game knockdown dragout brawl between the Celtics and the Lakers, which the Celtics won. And you might remember images of Kevin McHale clotheslining Kurt Rambis. Yeah. Kareem elbowing Bird in the face. All of that bad blood. Then they meet again in the finals in 85. The Lakers win that series. And some genius in Park Avenue said, hey, let's – or Fifth Avenue, wherever the NBA headquarters was, said – Let's have them meet four times in the preseason. And in that first preseason game, which was played in Providence, it was Bill Walton's first game as a Celtic. Get this, Guillermo. The Lakers won that game 124 to 111. But in that game, on the opening tip, there was a fight. <laughs> there, was a, <laughs> there was a fight on the opening tip. It took 20 minutes to get under control. Casey Jones, the Celtics head coach, you know, comes back to the bench with blood on his shirt from Michael Cooper, who had very long fingernails that he never cut. <laughs> and six Celtics and three Lakers were fined in that game, which, again, the Lakers won 124 to 111. Lakers were winning that game handily. But as the Celtics came back in the fourth quarter, Pat Riley put James Worthy and Kareem back into the game to make sure that they won that game. Now, if you juxtapose that with the preseason of today where none of the stars play in the fourth quarter, especially in the first preseason game, and the players don't really care, the players really wanted to win these games back in 1985, Guillermo. 
Yeah, and that's one thing that we've gotten away from in the NBA. You know, after the game, these guys are kind of dapping each other up and hugging each other and seeing when they're going to hang out next or go to dinner or even jersey swapping. You know, that's one thing that I miss is some of that bad blood, some of that rivalry and intensity, uh, one city or one team playing another. Um, So not having that nowadays and hearing the stories, like you just said, Lakers, Celtics, uh, somebody scheduled a four preseason game after finals to continue that bad blood. You know, that's something I would definitely like to see back, especially in the preseason to start getting you ready for the regular season. And when these guys face off, then it's just going to be an explosion. Yeah, one more. Yeah, absolutely. I miss those days, too. And unfortunately, not only has free agency killed it, but, you know, you've got these beta players like Kevin Durant and, and LeBron James who are want to play AAU ball and it takes away players identifying with cities and just the the hatred that sometimes existed and and hatred is good for competition one more thing in that third preseason game which was played at the fabulous great western forum in inglewood california maurice lucas and robert parrish got into a fight lucas elbowed parrish parrish punched him in the face and there was a wwe style brawl where parrish and lucas basically got locked up and landed on a scorer's table and they smashed the scorer's table. The Celtics won that one, 124-111. Parrish, Lucas, and Sly Williams ejected in that brawl. Dennis Johnson got hurt. Uh, Michael Cooper and Casey Jones again got mixed up. There was bad blood. I have a quick, I know this segment, you're sitting there going, come on, Cap, this this is going long. I love it. But a quick story about Michael Cooper. Again, the, the you can see here with these preseason games of the fights and ejections. I was with my son at an AAU game in Anaheim, California about four years ago. I'm sitting there all decked out in Kelly Green, Celtic stuff, everything. Somebody walks up right behind my ear about three <laughs> inches away and screams, <laughs> Boston sucks! I turn around and it's Michael Cooper. Wow. Yelling wow. in the ear of a stranger, Celtic fan. <laughs> Coop was there coaching a team. I miss those days. Don't know if that's going to ever come back, but there will always be bad blood between those two franchises and the fans. Oh, yeah. I despise the fakers. So I I still hold that as if, you know, it was the 80s for me. So I'm such a Laker hater. I'm always clowning them whenever I can. And again, I wish those times were back. They really help you connect with the players as well. You, you really root for a player even that much more because he's willing to go to war for your city. So I wish some of that was back. Well, if familiarity breeds contempt, Guillermo, Philadelphia twice in the preseason could mean Bad blood during the regular season. Let's not forget they've got Patrick Beverly now on their side. Yeah, we'll see how it stirs the pot. I mean, we did see Embiid training with Tatum and picking his brain about, you know, having been in the finals before. We did have a a, a strong playoff series against them this past season. So 
Let's let's stir the pot. We know they had Al Horford and that Al Horford contract and the connection there as well. So let's let's continue to beat up on Philadelphia. I love it. I love it too. Well, everybody pray for Kristaps and O'Shea. And when we get back, we'll talk about the Celtics back end of the roster. Is Brad Stevens one of the best GMs in the NBA? He's going to have to be to add some quality players in the coming weeks. And we'll talk about that when we come back on Lucky's Lounge. Stay right there. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. Guillermo, that first segment went a little long, but boy, you get me talking about Celtics history. I could go for hours. Love to hear it. Love Celtic history. Want to thank the fans real quick before we get into this next segment. The show, it continues to grow and just want to thank everybody. Continue to spread the show to Celtic diehards and uh, you can always write us if you want to send us an email with a comment or a suggestion. You can email us at Lucky's Lounge Podcast at gmail.com or also you can slide into our DMs at Lucky's Lounge Pod on Twitter X. couple of readers' comments here. One from Rage Oons who said, awesome stuff, fellas. Thanks for the shout out. I think we gave him one on episode six. And, and again, thank you for, for your comments. We also had a a comment here from D. Saline Switzer, who writes, I am a Lakers fan. Can I be a guest on the show sometime? And uh, the answer to that question, D. Saline Switzer, is not just no, but hell no. Uh, Guillermo, <laughs> <laughs> I think you would agree with me on that. Yes, hell to the no. Sorry, bud. Do your own podcast. Do, do your own podcast. We do have, though, we will talk Lakers coming up on Lucky's List, so stay tuned for that. And I will say, as a somebody who grew up in Southern California, and I have been to NBA's final NBA Finals games in Los Angeles. I've been to many games at Staples Center, whatever the hell they're calling it now. I call it the house that Shaq built. I've been to many games at the at the Forum in Inglewood, even the LA Sports Arena. The Lakers do have a few really knowledgeable fans, but most of them are clowns. All right, let's get into this next segment. And we're gonna, this next segment is we're going to talk about the roster. We're, we're constantly looking to see who Brad Stevens might add. With the cutting of Justin Champigny, the Celtics have two open roster spots plus a two-way, and they can invite as many as five additional players to training camp. There's a tweet that we saw today from Porzingis Season, Blue Check, and that's at 24 Celts. Fan page, I'm not impersonating Porzingis, not affiliated with the Celtics organization. So he's got those disclaimers in his bio. But listen to this tweet. I mean, I was rolling over laughing earlier, but it says, in a recent poll of NBA, NFL, and MLB GMs, Brad Stevens was voted the GM, quote, most likely to establish a dynasty. One rival GM opined that Stevens has been, quote, scary good, Since taking over basketball operations in Boston, the thread continues. Another GM noted that Stevens has displayed a, quote, rare talent for calculated aggression with trades combined with the gift for prudence in managing the in-house personnel stuff. Ellipsis, his handling of the Udoka situation was exemplary, end quote, adding that Stevens should be paid, quote, $50 million a year. Now, if you read on further in in the comments, He's being ridiculed here because there's no sources quoted. But 
Guillermo, you and I both have noted that Brad Stevens, since taking over from Danny Ainge, has gone in a completely different direction, not the draft, but rather through trades and free agency. What are your thoughts about Porzingis' season and his you know, fictional BS that he puts here? But do you agree? Is Brad one of the best GMs in all of sports? Yeah, I would definitely agree that Brad is definitely one of the best GMs in all of sports. He has made tremendous trades since becoming the GM for the uh, for the Celtics. He got us Al Horford for Kem- Kemba Walker. He brought in Brogdon for, I'm sorry guys, but just fodder pieces. Um, he's gotten us Derek White. He just got us Jordan Walsh, who looks really promising, and nine picks out of that draft. So he's doing a tremendous job in being in that role uh, and also having to deal with hard situations. He had to trade smart on the fly just to make sure we got Porzingis. He had to deal with the Udoka situation and hired Missoula. And then a year after Missoula, you add to his staff and getting Cassell and getting Alize, uh, Alize Johnson sorry, Emil Johnson, and also adding in coach from the Bucks, Charles Lee. So mm-hmm. getting that staff up to speed, getting players on the team, not through draft and trying to build and, and grow these guys up, but getting established NBA players, I think he's done a tremendous job being a GM. I agree. I don't know if he's one of the best GMs in all of sports. I, I can't say that he's one of the – I can say he's one of the best in the NBA. I don't know if he's the best. Remember, Bob Myers of the Warriors is retired now. So that title is up for grabs. The Celtics have not had any super high draft picks since they acquired Jason Tatum. I think Brad has done a great job. The Horford trade was good. The Derek White trade looks like it could be a great – trade when all is said and done. But I think Brad Stevens, for better or for worse, is now going to be judged on the trade where he sent the heart and soul of the Boston Celtics and Marcus Smart down to Memphis and got Kristaps Porzingis in return. If Porzingis is a flop, and we have to be concerned about injuries now based on this, based on the fact that he did not play against Georgia three days ago, and this report from Germany that is now being shared on Hoops Hype, so maybe there's something to it, then Brad's luster will be diminished. But if if Porzingis does what Brad apparently thinks he can do and the Celtics win a championship, I think he goes right to the top of the list. Yeah, I think, again, at the end of the day, we do it for the banners and the rings. So if he doesn't get any banners or any rings, he can have a great winning percentage being the Celtics GM. But if there's no hardware to go with it, it's all for naught. So he has to get the Celtics to go over the hump and, and finally win one and hopefully win multiple to be a, a dynastic GM. But, yeah. but he's the only one. Yes. One at a time. Let's just but, get one. I can tell you that one guy who is one of the best GMs in the NBA, he lives in Salt Lake City, Utah. His name is Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge took the 
crap sandwich that he inherited back in, in 2003 and turned that into a five-year run where the Celtics were the best team in the NBA over five years. Two finals appearances in 2009 after they won the championship. They were by far the best team in the league. They were kicking ass and taking names, and then Kevin Garnett blew out his knee, and that cost the Celtics a chance at a second, maybe a third championship. But there's no question that over those five years, they were the best team in the league, and that's why LeBron James decided to leave Cleveland and go elsewhere. So Danny Ainge, and you can see what he's doing in Utah, an incredible foundation that he has built there. But Brad Stevens can also lay claim to some excellent moves, and so we'll see where where they end up at the end of the season. But right, what I want to talk about right now, Guillermo, is what can Brad Stevens do with these last two roster spots? And it looks like one of the names being discussed, sources are reporting on the internet, Brad wants to bring back Blake Griffin. Do you think that's true, and do you think that would be a good move, Guillermo? I do think it's true. I do think it would be a good move. Uh, I think he was on the team last season. We had a great season. He really filled the role, both being a veteran on the bench and kind of a fun guy for players to be around. But also when he did get minutes, he was really serviceable. I know he was hitting threes. He was grabbing rebounds and he was drawing charges. So to see a vet out there and willing to lay his body out, I think it's huge for some of these younger players. Uh, I think he played an awesome role for us this past season, and I would love to have him back in Kelly Green. Absolutely. You know, the Celtics have a history of signing guys, star players, superstar players, who are literally on their last legs. And I'm thinking about guys like Pete Maravich. Yes, he was a Celtic. Dominique Wilkins. Yes, Mm -hmm. he was a Celtic. Artis Gilmore, yes, he was a Celtic. But in all of those cases, those guys were not necessarily playing on good teams or championship-caliber teams. And in the case of Dominique, he was still a high-volume shooter, a starter, and had an expectation of that. He was, he was trying to hang on to his glory. Blake Griffin, on the other hand, absolutely knew the role that he was going to be assuming, and he played it very well. I think in addition to what he provided on the court, and there was one game in particular, I want to say it was either a playoff game or a game that we kind of needed late in the regular season, where Blake hit, I want to say, three three pointers in a row to start off the game. Do you remember that game? I'm trying to remember when that was. Was that a Philly game or what it was? But there were a couple of really great moments for Blake in terms of hitting threes. Yeah, I don't remember who exactly we were playing against, but I do remember him having that little spike in offense. And I think it was actually the Nets because they were leaving him open and he was just, okay, I'm going to take the shot and was starting to do some celebrations because he had also played for the Nets prior. So I, I think it was against the Nets, but it's awesome to see. And that's what I want to see on this team. I want to see veteran guys who have been in the NBA and have established in the NBA and willing to play a role for the Celtic team, whether it's mentor young guys come in to play spot minutes um, and contribute. But end all, I want people who are veterans for this team. 
The game in question, absolutely, Guillermo, could not agree more. The game in question was February 9th against Philadelphia. Okay. And Joel Embiid decided to lay off of Griffin, who was starting in that game. And he, in the first four minutes, he hit three pointers, three three pointers. And then he, he actually hit five for the game, five of eight for 15 points. At this stage of the game, he's not a high flyer. But he's a good passer. He's a guy that sets good screens, takes charges. And with the three-point shot, like Al Horford has added that later in his career, he can be a guy for the Celtics that is content to not play. He can dress and not play and know that he may get minutes, not in a blowout situation, but in case of emergency break glass. But also, he can start on those nights where Al Horford can't do a back-to-back or if Rob Williams is being rested. He can come in at start at the five alongside Kristaps Porzingis and give you 15, 18 quality minutes. Yeah, I would love to have him back. I still want even more wing depth. I know players like Kevin Knox have been rumored. You know, we talked about Svi Michalik. We cut Champagne. So I, I want TJ Warren possibly is a name that's out there and been talked about. I want more wing depth especially looking at guys like Brissett who are dealing with knee injuries. I want more wing depth along with uh, maybe another center, just like Blake Griffin. So the Celtics have been rumored to be interested in Blake Griffin and Svi Michalik. Michalik, who was, as we reported last week, were rumored to be, he was rumored to be deciding between a team in Greece and the Celtics. I mean, if it was an American player, you'd say, dude, what, you know, what's the problem? But obviously, uh, the Ukrainian, Mikhailik, probably wants to be closer to home with the war raging in his home country. So maybe he's out. TJ Warren is a little bit intriguing. He did not play all that great with, I think he was with Brooklyn last. But remember, in 2020, in the bubble, he was one of the best scorers in the entire NBA over about a 25-30 game stretch. And so based on that alone and his experience level, he could be a really good option. So if it's Griffin and Warren, I'm in, Guillermo. Yep, I'm definitely in on that. And uh, that should you know, solidify a, a strong roster with pieces that can be put in all throughout the lineup and protect guys who are ailing with injuries or need a night off like Tatum does for Deuce's birthday. <laughs> well, that's uh, definitely probably going to be a night that Jason Tatum doesn't play if there is a game schedule. When we come back, Lucky's List, including our tweet of the week, and it's from none other than the truth. You won't want to miss it when we come back. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. Guillermo, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, and I want to start with something that is is hurting my heart right now. And, of course, I'm talking about a guy that was my favorite player for a very long time, Paul Pierce, the truth, making news this week. What do you got? What has he said? <laughs> well, our tweet of the week is from the truth, at Paul Pierce 34, verified blue check. Paul Pierce getting into it with the fans. He, a couple days ago, he tweeted, I'm still better at hoop 
than 99% of people on Twitter for laughing face emojis. He followed that up just minutes later with, I meant 99.9999, and I think there's about 78 nines there with two laugh emojis. And it pretty much blew up Twitter. Um, These things were viewed over a million times, these two tweets. And then what followed was a string of expletive-laden insults at fans and, and back towards him by fans, which he responded to. He then gave, uh, yesterday, he said his new nickname is Pippin P, whatever the hell that means. Guillermo, what's going on with Paul Pierce? I, I think he needs help. I don't think he needs any help. I think he's being a troll and just enjoying his retirement and liking to push buttons. And it's good to see him have a little back and forth with, you know, us regular folk who aren't athletes or former stars. So it's good to see him have a little back and forth and uh, just joke around with some of the, some of the regular folk, I guess. I mean, if, if it's good natured, I suppose, but I mean, I just, I honestly don't see like, Bill Russell or John Havlicek getting into it in this fashion with fans. Now, then again, social media did not exist when those guys played, but this seems more like a Kevin Durant move than a Kevin McHale move. Yeah, but like you said, we didn't have social media around those times, and he's a retired player. He can do whatever he wants nowadays, and to be able to – focus on you know other things besides being a basketball player like Kevin Durant is um, I think it's awesome again to have that back and forth uh, with his fans well we did see in the 80s some Celtics getting into back and forths with fans in bar fights so I guess this would be the the safer version of that it went on a little bit we had Dwayne Wade this week saying that I am living rent-free inside Paul Pierce's head. Of course, as we talked about last week, Paul Pierce saying, not saying anything negatively about Dwayne Wade, just saying, look, if I played with LeBron and Shaq, I could have won a few titles myself. Dwayne Wade took umbrage at that, and so now we have this back and forth between the two players. You and I both agreed with Paul that he's every bit the player that Dwayne Wade was. Yeah, interesting to see Dwayne Wade finally comment on this and talk about living rent-free in his head. I don't think it's a big, huge deal. I think he's focused and excited about his Hall of Fame uh, introduction and kudos to him and making making it to the Hall of Fame. Again, I think it's awesome banter from players who are retired and out of the league and can have a little back and forth either amongst them or with fans. We we always say, what if such and such player played in this era versus another era? Or what if such and such player teamed up with another player? Like what if Chris Paul goes to the Lakers and joins uh, Kobe Bryant and Shaq? Or what if Kevin Garnett goes to the Lakers? Um, I know that's kind of old fodder that we've talked about. So, it's always good to see players getting in the limelight and having some back and forth, whether it's just for fun or not. Well, it's certainly we've taken what social media has done, Guillermo, is it's taken the barbershop and it's expanded it globally so that those discussions can go on year round. 
the NBA offseason. I mean, this is the time where we need something to talk about. We need something to do. And, and so these kind of discussions, I suppose, do that. Pat Riley chimed in on this sort of in defense of Dwayne Wade or, or just a random thought saying that Dwayne Wade is the greatest player ever to play for the Heat. I would agree with that. Would you? Yeah, definitely. I think he was, he is Mr. Heat. I know it used to be Tim Hardaway, but definitely Dwayne Wade took that torch and ran with it. And he's the best Heat of all time. Definitely. I mean, the one guy that is not with the greatest Heat of all time, if Dwayne Wade is, is LeBron James. And with Pat Riley saying that, I, you know, again, I agree with that because it's three championships and it's, you know, the guy who everybody identifies with the franchise uh, doesn't necessarily mean, though, that Paul Pierce wasn't every bit the player, because, again, I think the teammates do come down to it. One piece of advice I have, Guillermo, and, you know, I say this as I pop a Guinness right now, um, Paul, lay off the bush, bush mills before you start scrolling on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, he doesn't have to go so hard on some of the fans and, and kind of talking about their mothers and whatnot. But again, yeah. I, if it's all in good fun and he's just wanting to troll in the moment, like you said, lay off some of the, the Guinness or the Bushmills, but just make sure you're doing it in a good heart. Item number two on Lucky's list, Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers agreed to a three-year, $186 million extension that third year is a player option, Guillermo, which uh, will tie him to the Lakers potentially through the year 2028. A great move for the Lakers, I think. Uh, but it, what that does, how does it pertain to us? Well, it means that next year, or excuse me, the year after next, rather, just to remind you that coming up in the 2024-25 season, Jalen Brown will be making, I think, about $57 million, Is that right? Yeah. And then so Anthony Davis will be making five million for five million more. Look, he deserves it more than Jalen Brown. He is an NBA champion. And if it wasn't for Anthony Davis, I think it's fair to say that the Lakers would not have made it to the Western Conference Finals. When healthy, I think he's a top five player. Uh, also on this extension front, though, as we talked about last week and earlier in this show, Jason Tatum will be eligible at the end of this season because his last extension, he took a player option. He will be eligible to sign an extension up to, if the current salary cap projections hold, five years, $338 million, which is about $34 million than what Jalen Brown got, Guillermo. Yeah, and we knew this. We knew players that are coming up after Jalen Brown were going to get bigger AAVs when it came to signing their extensions, and we're seeing it right unfold in front of us with the Anthony Davis contract. And probably, like you said, the Jason Tatum contract, once it's up, he definitely deserves to have that. I think he's going to be the face of the league going forward. Top American player in the league, I would say right now. So kudos. Hopefully we get that deal done. And again, the worry about the money when you got to worry about the money. Let's get that extension done and even possibly a Derek White extension. So get these get these players on board for multiple years. Let's get a nice core going and hopefully we can get that 
Brad Stevens dynastic run going. Absolutely. You know, Derek White, in about a month, he will be eligible for an extension. He says that he wants one. Let's get bald Derek in the fold long term. Item number three, the New England Patriots tweeting out yesterday, hey, Celtics, with a wave. And there was a picture there of Bill Belichick holding a clipboard, looking at the field and standing next to him, decked out in the attire of his favorite NFL team, Rhode Island native Joe Missoula at Pat's camp, Guillermo. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love seeing how connected the Boston sports teams coaches are. I know uh, Alex Cora has also spent time with Bill Belichick. So I love seeing all the sports intertwine and, you know, picking each other's brain. If you're going to pick any of the coaches brains, why, why wouldn't you pick Bill Belichick's brain and kind of learn some tidbits from him? Not when it comes to media, make sure you're still open when it comes to media because Bill isn't. But other than that, why not? I love it. Well, I sadly, Guillermo, I think Joe has taken a page out of Coach Belichick's book sometimes as it pertains to media. He's very no-nonsense. He answers the questions truthfully, but, you know, he's very curt with the media, and that's okay. I mean, some of the Boston sports media are used to that, but I, I do think he looks up to Belichick in many ways, maybe with the media as well. I think Brad Stevens was a guy who also was very close with Belichick. And, you know, the great coaches study other coaches in their own sport, but not only their own sport, but other sports as well. I think you can study a game like football or soccer or volleyball or whatever. You can see similar geometry. Sometimes sports is about attacking space. And, you know, a, a brilliant mind like Brad Stevens can go to a Patriots practice, Joe Missoula can go to a Patriots practice and maybe pick up a thing or two, whether it's about leadership or, you know, other things. So uh, I also like it and uh, want to see more of it. And let's hope for Joe Missoula's sake and Bill Belichick's sake that the Pats, who might be in the toughest division in the AFC, uh, get off to a good start. Yeah, I also was at one of the training camps observing the New England Patriots, not to get too far off topic, but love to see it when the coaches are picking each other's brain. And again, love seeing Joe there learning whatever he can from Bill. Item number four, this one coming from Kendrick Perkins, who we both respect a great deal as an analyst, putting out his rookies to watch for 2024. And of the four players that Kendrick Perkins is going to have an eye on, one of them is fellow Texan Jordan Walsh, a second-round choice. Jordan Walsh is getting a lot of attention, Guillermo. Yeah, so he has Chet Holmgren, number one. Then he has Asur Thompson of the Pistons, number two. Of course, Wemby, number three. Then he surprisingly has Anthony Black of the Magic, number four. And number five, he put Jordan Walsh, who we're expecting uh, to contribute mainly to the main Celtics, but I still think at some point in this season, we'll see him uh, getting some minutes with the main roster and, and hopefully doing some things with them. I'm very encouraged by this assessment by Kendrick Perkins, because if you think about it, three, maybe four, but certainly three, Holmgren and Wembeana are the one, two favorites 
to win the NBA Rookie of the Year. Thompson is another stud. So just to be mentioned in the same name in the same sentence as his college teammate Black and these other three super high lottery picks, it, it says a lot. And Jordan Walsh is somebody that we all love and we we have very good hopes for, and, and we're glad to see him in the fold for the next few years. Final item on the list, and this was a tweet put out by Taylor C. Snow, who you know puts out stuff for the Celtics. We're always putting out his stuff here on this show. And he tweeted out a few days ago, congrats to Mr. and Mrs. Hauser, Sam Hauser tying the knot. And there's a a great photo up on Taylor Snow's Twitter feed of Mr. and Mrs. Hauser. Uh, Very lovely bride, Hauser looking very happy. I hope this does wonders for his jump shot and his confidence, Guillermo. But, uh, you know, we, we knew Marcus Smart was getting married. And now we've got we've got Sam Hauser. So congratulations to the Hausers. Yeah, big congrats to Sam Hauser. Um, and also we've seen that Payne Pritchard also proposed as well. So again, big congrats to them and hoping for a big Hauser season this season. Also, he's going to be a big contributor, I think, in that probably eight-man rotation as we go in probably into the playoffs. But I definitely see him being a, a bench player who's getting a lot of minutes to give uh, time for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum when they sit down. Congratulations to the Housers and congratulations to Peyton Pritchard. As you mentioned on one of our past shows, the future Mrs. Pritchard also sits in Section 20, Row 9. I think I wanted to go up to her one time and say, hey, we agree that Peyton should have played. She just ran away and ignored me. Uh, but it's, it's always good as a young person to, to find that soulmate. And, and I think for these players, you know, it's a little tough because you, you're on the road a lot, but as we have seen with Derek white, as we have seen with some of these players, these milestone events, like having children, Al Horford's another one getting married, having children, it, it usually can help provide stability for these players. And so we're very happy for them. Final thoughts for this episode, Guillermo, as we wrap it up, please continue to support us, listen to our pod, share our pod, give us feedback. We're here for you. We want to be better for you. And again, it's only going to continue to get better as we inch closer to the 2023, 24 season. Absolutely, Guillermo. I'll second that. Thank you for listening. Continue to spread the word. What I would like to add here is, There's going to be a great basketball game to watch coming up on Saturday as Team USA has another tune-up for the FIBA World Cup. This time, they'll be playing in Spain. This game will be Saturday at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central on Fox Sports 1. And it's Team USA against Team Luka Guillermo, Slovenia. Yeah, that's going to be good. Luka Doncic has been playing really well uh, in Europe already, so... It'll be a nice tune-up game for both teams to see where they're at heading into the FIBA World Cup. Absolutely. Well, on behalf of Guillermo Diaz, I am Captain Ron Flanders. Thank you very much for listening to another edition of Lucky's Lounge. And you know where to find us. We'll be back next week. Everybody have a great week.